What's up, everybody? Welcome to Roll for Persuasion. I'm your host, Andrew Richardson. Thank you so much for joining me each and every week where I have the absolute privilege of sitting down with some of the coolest people in the Dungeons and Dragons tabletop gaming community. And I get to talk with them about things we both love, namely the games we play and how they impact our lives. More than anything, I appreciate you guys tuning in each and every week to share this with me. That's probably been the favorite part uh, for me of this show is getting to connect with you guys, which I do on social media. So check us out on Twitter at Roll Persuasion, Instagram at Roll Persuasion. Love to connect with you guys there. Email the show, Andrew at RollForPersuasion.com. If you have questions, comments, concerns, criticisms, some other, you know, cool seats word that I can't think of right now, send those to me. I'm glad to hear them. Love to talk with you. And of course, like many people out there, this show does in fact have a Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash roll for persuasion, you can support the show, which I appreciate. And you can get cool, uh, cool bonuses like our zone of truth segment at the end of every episode. Patreon backers get to hear that cool off the wall, totally random talking, whatever the hell we feel like. Uh, at the end of every episode. So if you support, you get that. You get early access to guests. You get to ask questions of our guests. It's very cool. I think it's really cool because uh, it helps me run the show. So check that out, patreon.com slash roll for persuasion if you want to help us out. And of course, this show is brought to you each and every week by our two awesome returning sponsors. Let's talk about them. First is Talon and Claw. You know them because we love them and I do not shut up about them. Uh, Anthony at Talon and Claw makes awesome wooden gaming accessories if you have some sweet gemstone dice that you just got and you're worried about them getting all fucked up inside your dice bag you don't have to worry about that anymore because you can get an awesome dice vault from talent and claw and i say that because uh, i'm not just a a sponsored show i'm a user uh, i have a talent and claw vault right here and i love it i've got my critical role opalite white stone dice in it which are super sweet looking and they look awesome in this dice vault you can go to talentandclaw.etsy.com you can save 10% with the code ROLLPERSUASION. That code also supports the show, so you're doing two good things. You're getting some cool shit for yourself, and you're supporting a cool show. So high five to you for doing that. And our second awesome sponsor, who I love equally because I love all of my sponsors absolutely perfectly equally, is Eldritch Foundry. If you want awesome, customized miniatures for your D&D games, Eldritch Foundry is the way to go. Super cool company. They're releasing new content all the time for your custom miniatures. You can go on there build out your mini, pick your race, pick your class, pick your weapons, your clothes, whatever you want to put on there. Get that 3D printed mailed out to you. You can paint it. It'll look awesome. Mine is on its way right now. A friend of the show, Ian Phillips, is actually painting my mini, so I'm super pumped about how that's going to look. Uh, Make sure you listen to Ian's episode, and he'll tell you all the painting secrets, but eldritchfoundry.com. You can get your cool mini, use the code ROLLPERSUASION, and you'll support the show and get 10% off as well. So we thank you in advance for supporting the show so we can bring you these cool guests each and every week. And speaking of cool guests, continuing our theme this month of awesome women in gaming, I have one of the most awesome women in gaming you could ever come across, Satine Phoenix. Thank you so much for joining me. Aw, that was the sweetest intro. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, you, you deserve it. You uh, you are like the the queen. You are the Beyonce of Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> I think is a fair analogy. I, I she's think she's super so. hot and amazing and talented. So I will, I will thank <laughs> you very much. Thank for you. That. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what's going on? How, how are you doing? You know, just long days working out, <laughs> uh, building uh, things and doing stuff that I can't, 
there's so many things happening. It's funny because I can only talk about a couple of them, but there's so much happening. I think that's kind of the magic of being a dungeon master, right? Yeah, sure. You're like, constantly world building in and out of game, right? Yeah, people don't see everything that it takes to uh, get you to that part of the table that one specific day. Right. And how hard, of all the hard work that goes into just being there and having a smile on your face and having that story ready to go. Yeah, as, as a player, I just assume that magic happens and you show up and I get to enjoy it. And I don't ever think about the, uh, you know, the prep time in the kitchen, if you will, that goes into getting not just the game, but everything you're doing uh, like in the community and in the industry up and running. I mean, there's so much behind the scenes work, right? Yeah, that's true. That's very true. <laughs> and it's funny because I've been talking more about it lately and um, before in my GM tips. I would talk about, oh, yeah, I just make everything up. That's not actually true. I mean, <laughs> right. it is kind of true, but it's not really. There's so much prep. I was talking to someone recently about um, I am a psychology hobbyist. Okay. And I use a lot of the skills that I learned from different books and uh, podcasts and lectures in my gaming. But, yeah. you know, when you're playing at my game, you just see me smiling because I'm really happy to be there. <laughs> right. And you're not yeah, seeing like everything hours, going on up here. Yeah. Yes. Hours of audiobooks and yeah. hours of lectures. And I'm just absorbing and taking notes. As you know, if you can see this here, this is a big fat book that Stefan Picorni uh, gave me for my birthday last year. And it's all uh, neurology and uh, lots of different notes in there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, that's awesome. So, so give like, like the 30 second rundown, if you can even fit it into to 30 seconds of like everything you have going on, because I think I know a bit of it just from seeing from the outside, but I'm sure like it's just tip of the iceberg, right? You've got like gilding light, you've got stuff you're doing with uh, Wizards of the Coast. I mean, what all kind of do you have going on right now that you can talk about? Um, I'm doing more videos. So I'm doing more GM tip style videos uh, throughout the year. I'm doing more items that kind of open up what I'm doing from just D&D and gaming into storytelling because I am a comic book artist. I'm an author. I don't know if many people know that. <laughs> if you go to burningquill.com, you can actually get my books. I think that's the only place you can actually get my books. But I'm trying to show people that this is just another medium. So gaming is just another medium for your creativity and storytelling. Yeah. So I do seminars and workshops for companies, for team building, to show people that the art of storytelling is actually uh, something that every company needs. So I do events all over the world. I gather people in the communities in different countries, and I provide an event for everyone to come to and meet each other. And then hopefully they'll have their own podcasts and their own live stream shows and build the confidence and show that, you know, um, there are a, there's such a diverse amount of people who go to who play these games and want to tell stories. So I'm a facilitator. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I yeah. tell people about like D and D too. And especially people who've never played before or, or aren't really familiar. I was like, it is less of a game and more of like the ultimate canvas or a canvas really for storytelling. Like if, if you yeah. enjoy creating in any venue, I've yet to find somebody who, who is a creative person. And really, I think we're all creative people. We just need the right outlet for it who hasn't like fallen in love with with the ability to create kind of within the framework of Dungeons and Dragons or whatever game of their choice. And it's it's cool that it is really that blank canvas that you can just express in in so many ways. 
Well, that's what I love about all the live streams and podcasts. Because back, I've been playing D&D for 32 years now. And back then, it was just my friends and our one dungeon master in high school. And we would play the same game. You know, we play over and over. We, Our characters would die. But essentially, we played the same style for many years. Now, you can see how different games are played and how yeah. different dungeon masters run them and how they how the dungeon master's guide is a guide and not a rule book. Yeah. That's very important. And you'll hear Jeremy Crawford say that a lot as well. And you as a game master can take rules and, and play with them and push them and pull them or throw them away or amplify them. It's so beautiful. And I love the permission that live streams give people, you know, and it really breaks my heart when someone's like, this is the best dungeon master. Right. Really what you're saying is, this dungeon master that I see, it resonates with me. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't, I'm very cooperative. I don't like co competition. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and, and you're right. I think that like, I, I hate saying that anyone plays a game the wrong way, but, but I think when you come into it with the mindset of there's a right or wrong way to play and, you know, Matthew Mercer does it this way, but the McElroys do it that way or whatever. Um, and so one of them's wrong. It's like, no. Like, like you're kind of missing, it's almost a sad thing because the, the people who have that kind of mindset are really almost missing some of the best parts of what the game has to offer when they put up those kind of arbitrary um, guidelines and kind of, uh, you know, railroad themselves into a certain way of playing the game. You kind of miss out on all these other opportunities. What I find is that they're not noticing the most important part, and that is the game master is so sensitive to how the players want to play. And they, they don't see the session zero that happens before we all go live, right? It takes a lot of, in, not interviewing, but it takes a lot of getting to know a person to know that, oh, the story I want to tell is a story you want to play. So yes, Matthew Mercer is a badass. Sure. <laughs> and the game that he runs is awesome and epic. And that happens to be the game that his players want to play. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Sirens is goofy. And my girls and Jason Charles Miller are goofy and we just want to play Rainbow Bright and Gem and She-Ra and we want to be heroes and we want to have emotions and sing songs. And it's almost like a kid show. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, a little more sassy. But yeah, so it's like I if my players wanted to play something darker or more epic, I would probably do that for them. Right. Because that is that's the game master <laughs> yeah yeah that that like synergy kind of symbiotic relationship between the player and the game master it's telling a story together you're not playing the dm story the dm isn't just playing the player's story it, it's really cooperative um i think that's when the best games happen is when cooperation is happening between those two right absolutely so i do a lot of convention games and uh game store games and it's fascinating because i learned this from keith baker who made eberron he had a thing called Have Dice Will Travel. Oh, yeah. Where yeah. he played this one game and he played it like 80 times all over the world, different countries, different personalities. And I was like, that's really cool. And I, I knew that he learned a lot by doing that. But what I didn't realize until I started doing that at conventions, I have three games that I run. Um, one of them is a very serious game, one of them is an open mic night. So it's very silly. And then um, I have a couple that I kind of play here and there. But the group will change the game 
They'll change the theme of the game. They'll change the pace of the game, depending on who they are and how they are. And it's interesting because, you know, these are usually people I've never played with or um, they don't even know each other, you know? And so I have to be very sensitive. I'm like, okay, who is this group? What time of day is it? Are they tired? How do I keep them up? How do I manage their expectations? Luckily, I have shows that people watch and they're like, oh, this is how Sad Team usually is. And they can kind of feed into it. But every once in a while, it gets dark. And I'm like, okay, we're going down that road. Let's yeah. do this. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's cool. Let's uh, you, you mentioned um, how much you appreciate like like all of the different streams and everything going on right now. Um, I had my very first guest actually on the show with John Boltina of uh, Cauldron and Tower. And he, yeah, yeah and, and he told a story. He was like, you know what? I, I, he, what did he say? He said, I can tell you exactly when I knew that streaming was going to take off. And I think he referenced, he volunteered, I think, for one of your first charity streams, which was yeah. pro- probably like nine or 10 years ago. And his story particularly was, I guess, seeing, seeing Matt uh, Mercer, you know, like at the table, like being like over the top and dynamic and, and you know, the way, the way Matt is. Um, and he was like, and that's when I knew that, you know, streaming was going to be a thing he was like so it's all because of sateen so apparently Aww. you're you're to thank uh you're to thank for the the streaming re- revolution we have now but oh it actually is way more interesting than that i was about to say i bet there's more to this story so take me back there to like is. when all this started and i'll just uh, sit back and listen yeah <laughs> uh, 2010 so I've, i'd done a web series prior to this moment okay um but i wanted to do a charity event with celebrities so it's called celebrity charity20.com ccd20 is the hashtag and i'm like okay i we have four tables and each table has a dungeon master and players and each one of those players has fans right and they have followers and friends and family and i wanted like how do we optimize the you know people donating well if we put it on the internet at the same time so this is out of meltdown comics at the same time justin tv was up and going. It was, it was uh, sports, good old Justin right? TV. Yeah. Yeah. So that was out of meltdown. Um, or at least their office, like the oh, okay. their office was. I used to use and, Justin TV to watch like, like bootlegged Chinese yeah. streams of like NBA games. So yeah, w- yeah way back, so which is now is, Twitch, right? Exactly. Yeah. So it's so funny because I don't really, I hadn't talked about it in a while and people are like, oh yeah. So there wasn't live streaming not for gaming, you know, there was yeah. a lot of podcast. There was a couple podcasts. I remember trying to look for some podcasts to listen to. And there's like four of them back then, but I'm like, okay, we're going to do this. And we went to the Nerdist theater because Nerdist was also out of Meltdown comics. And I had four tables in the same room on really terrible, terrible recorders, yeah. terrible webcams. And we put them all on the same web page. Oh, geez. Yep. Like, bop, bop, bop. All, all, at the same time it was it was punk rock it was super silly and actually it was amazing because so i was like ah that was stupid let me try this again the next year yeah so the next year we tried it again we gave each one of the tables their own web page and then but you all the ambient noise was really terrible right and then the next year is essentially what it's been since what 2013 so 2013 we had four games and each game went right after the other. And by the way, Keith Baker wrote all of the adventures. There was all Eberron because I love Eberron. That's so awesome. And um, yeah, airships. Um, so it was really interesting because that was like, oh, we figured something out. 
And interestingly enough, it hasn't really changed since then. I mean, Critical Role went to Geek and Sundry, and um, obviously, you know, he'd been running it for his friends for a while, but then doing the live stream was really cool, and they have that style. And then um, a lot of the charity events, it's pretty much the same format that it's been since 2013. So, yeah, that's, that's where it all came from. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. It was a stupid idea that I had that I'm like, wouldn't it be cool if... <laughs> and and here we are 10 years later and everyone thinks it's cool because everyone is doing it. And uh, and it's awesome because as a, as a consumer, you have so many options, just like in playing the actual game, um, you have so many options for the type of like streamed entertainment you want to consume. I mean, there's so many people now that, you know, listen or watch a stream or podcast that don't even actually play themselves. Um, they just have now such a great option to consume it purely as entertainment and and that's a huge jump from like you said when there were like four podcasts or whatever in like 2010 yeah it's so wild and i really appreciate it but that's just how you know entertainment evolves sure and accessibility is important and i love the idea that so many people are learning how to play dungeons and dragons and other games by watching critical role and it's like you know you have this strange split of people like, well, I've been playing for 20 years, 30, 40 years. I'm and glad Colonel Sanders are, is like the, the <laughs> voice. <laughs> well, Bessie, like- I'll say I've been playing Dungeons <laughs> say, and Dragons. I'll say, <laughs> I'll say, I'll say. <laughs> That's my foghorn leghorn. Right, right. Um, <laughs> so but yeah, you've got that one group of people. Yeah. Yeah, one group. And then you have the new group that are like, this is cool. I want to try this. Yeah. And it's like all, everything's valid. Yeah. All of the emotions yeah. are real. All of the feelings are valid. The grognards are allowed to be like, well, I was there when, when nobody liked it. And then it was cool. And then it wasn't cool. And then it was cool again. And then it wasn't cool again. And now it's cool again. And then the new kids are like, yay. What if we all had fun? Yeah. 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 And it's like, uh, there's always I don't like war and I don't like conflict and I just wish that people on the internet would just accept that they all have their own experiences and all experiences are valid. That's my rant. Mm. <laughs> Thank you for coming rant. to my TED talk. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So um, it's so beautiful and fascinating. And myself as a grognard, I mean, I have been playing for decades. Sure. It has been so amazing watching it go up and down. And it's cool. And guess what? It's going to have a down. It's going to go down again. Sure. Yeah. And then something awesome is going to happen. And it's going to go right back up again. Hopefully this stint is much longer because I'm having a great time. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, I, it is a bizarre. Uh, it's not a fad. It's just a bizarre. Uh, it's, it's a bizarre game. And its success is bizarre because it yeah. keeps fading out and coming back and it's beautiful. And I think people should just appreciate what is happening right now. In my opinion. I, well, that's, that's <laughs> I'm very passionate about this. I, I, I dig it. I'm here for it. Um, one, one of the things that I uh, appreciate because I, I kind of came, I came to D and D late. I, I tell people and I say on the show that I was D and D adjacent my entire life because I grew up, uh, loving fantasy and i thought dragonlance and uh 
you know, the, the Drizzt like books were the greatest thing ever. And I never once realized that that was Dungeons and Dragons and that I could actually play the books <laughs> I was reading until I kid you not like three years ago. I was like, Oh, Dragonlance was, was, Oh, okay. I guess I'll play this game. Um, but it's been cool for me just in the past kind of three, four years playing and seeing all of the media that has exploded because I started playing, I don't know, I guess critical role had been out for maybe a few months at the time. And so it was kind of right before that hit critical mass. And then everyone yeah. was, was really doing it uh, mainstream. Um, but all of that popularity has led to all of these really cool kind of like ancillary things that are maybe not D and D, but are gaming. So for instance, uh, one of my favorite things that has ever existed in the world is uh, sagas of sundry dread, which you were a part of, which, <laughs> yeah. which to me, I, as, as someone who, who grew up doing theater, um, all kind of into college and like also loves gaming, like, like watching that, I'm like, Oh, that is the kind of thing I want to do. Not just like immersive at the table is one thing, but immersive. And by the way, if anyone out there has not watched dread, uh, go, it's on YouTube now. Um, go check it out. Uh, I think it's even on Amazon prime. You can go check it out. It's uh, one of the coolest things I've ever is, done, by the way. Like I'm I not would trying to be quiet, so. downplay it. Like it was epic. Yeah. Um, Everyone on there is a good friend of mine. Yeah. And that kind of trust. I also come from stage theater in high yeah. school. So there's a bond and a trust. And and also we all game together. So it's sure. like, you know, before every episode, we're like, you ready for this? Oh, I'm in. Where we had we gave each other permission to go all the way with emotions. Yeah. Sometimes I was like, I think Talison and I were were like, okay, I'm really sorry ahead of time. And I was like, all right, let's do this. And yeah. it always, yeah, it was, wow, what an experience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, and you touched on a little bit there, but like, what was that like in the moment? Cause like you said, you guys go to just some emotionally deep places, like some, your performance and, and Amy, I mean, everybody, um, just like some raw emotional energy that I, that I don't think I've even seen in most like D and D streams. Um, and I think yeah. that's what made me as a viewer connect with it so much as there was like, like that trust that you guys had for each other as performers was on display and your willingness to go to these emotionally raw places with your character. Um, and it was like, as a viewer, it was just really profound. Yeah, it's really interesting. So I don't think a lot of people talk about the different kinds of entertainment that happens and that we consume. Um, I have been a stage actor for a really long time, like in high school and college. And that kind of training versus uh, camera training, totally different. There's something about having to be so purely honest in the moment. Like you get one try when you're on stage. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If you're doing improv, you commit. You make that decision. You commit. And, and I, I've hated the word improv forever, but I bought in this year. But yeah, this yeah. year, it's been yeah. a month, <laughs> but it's really fascinating. And it's the trust in yourself, trust in the people around you. It's the yes. And it's the, I rolled a one, what happens next, you know? And yeah. so when you're with other actors who are stage performers, it is so different. Um, you get more out of it. Plus they're yeah. gamers sure, and they have experience, right? So that culmination of people and experiences and we're all around the same age range so it was like this perfect moment that first the, the dread that i was in or the sagas of sundry that i was in 
that was a very unique moment in history. Uh, you can see it kind of too. When you're watching a movie and there's a stage actor on screen, you can see that commitment. You can yeah. see that every part of their body has been designed for that scene. So, you know, the tears, there's that one where Amy Vorpal, like she's sitting there and they're, she's saying something and Ivan is just in her head. He is yeah. such a yeah. good, sexy, sexy storyteller. Oh, if you haven't seen his work, like you, you have to like learn from him, learn from all the game masters. Yeah, for sure. But he specifically, it's about what you say. It's about the pacing of how you say it. And this moment, Amy was so inside of this moment and she looks up and a single tear falls from her face. And there was, you can't fake that. You have to be in the moment to feel it. There's something happened, and I know you know. <laughs> yeah. But something happened where they didn't catch it, and I was so viscerally charged by this horrible moment that I screamed so loud they actually couldn't use any of the audio. So oh, that wow. was quiet because <laughs> I was just crying so hard yeah. like a baby. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah no that that's awesome that's and, and that's true what you say too about like even on movies or, or tv like stage actors and and people who who are used to that level of like like one shot and that's it and everyone has to be on their game or or it's not going to work um that that's true i was talking with brian foster a couple months ago after his undeadwood show which ivan was also involved in yeah. Um, and we were talking about the actual show Deadwood and and one of the things that made and I don't know if you've seen Deadwood, you should if you haven't. Um, one of the things that made that show so good was a, a large number of the actors were classically trained stage mm -hmm. performers. And it just comes through in in how you put yourself forward. Um, exactly what you're saying. Like like the willingness to just put it all out there because that's the only way it's going to work. I was talking with, with uh, Hope Lavelle last week and we were talking about parkour on the Special Zone of Truth Patreon exclusive uh, segment, which you guys can check out if you support the show. Um, but she was taught, it's the same thing in parkour. Like if you're going for a jump, you have to go all out or you're going mm -hmm. to fail. Like it's the same thing I think on performing, um, especially on stage, but even on camera. If you're not willing to put it all the way out, it's going to fall short to some degree or it's going to fall short of what it could be. Um, and, yeah. and as a viewer, you guys all doing that collectively was just like a, a gut punch and it was awesome. And I loved it. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad we were after it. We were so high on life. I don't like I back then I was very sober <laughs> and um, I hadn't felt like that in a long time. Yeah, that was above and beyond one of the coolest experiences. So but, you know, it I I've been dungeon mastering for 10 years and even that even that show taught me a lot on yeah. how to be a better game master uh, how to be more present you know for the people around me and one of the things that you see a lot in games is you have your showboat person who's just like i have all the best ideas and then you have the person who doesn't say anything and they just want to watch and um as a good player it's good to be there the middle person yeah. is like, okay, it's a, there's a lull. Let me kind of uh, like, it's good to not be always showboating and not always quiet, but right. to kind of hand the torch over to other players. 
like, okay, I have a good idea. Now what's your good idea? Yeah. Like facilitating yeah. from the player side and not just the DM side. Like um, kind of really the glue, I think. And, and, and I think when you look at some of the really popular streams, you can, you can probably pick out the people um, who do that. I think, you know, yeah. we, we've talked about Critical Role. I think Laura Bailey is somebody who who does that on Critical Role very well. She facilitates the, the play around her. Um, and especially on a performance series, like, that's incredibly important. I mean, it's really great to have in a game, you know, if you just only have the showboaters and the quiet people, that, that can maybe not be the most fun game. Maybe it is. I don't know. Um, I'm lucky because I have a great group. But especially on a show, um, it does, it makes a huge difference to the final product of having somebody who's willing to not just lead, but bring people along and knows when to step back and let others step forward and let everyone shine bright, right? Yeah, well, like live streaming and regular games, those are two different things. You cannot compare them. Um, The Game Master is not only moderating a game for the players, but they're also timing it and condensing it for the viewers, right? Yeah, And not even just that, you're also making sure that it's tight enough for the marketing team, right? And for me, I'm also producing it and uh, I have a director, but I'm, it's, you know, there's a lot happening. And if I see that the switcher and the lighting guy are in the back arguing, I'm watching that and I'm moderating that while I'm managing the table, while I'm making sure nobody's on their phones and everybody's chins up because I notice that the producer is now talking to that person instead of watching the table and is this person chewing gum and uh, are they talking on top of these other people when they should be writing notes to each other because the audio guy is going to be pissed and the editor is going to be pissed because two people are now talking over a third person you know there's a lot yeah. as a dungeon master you're like it's a lot of responsibility sure, so yeah. crafting that is a way more complicated and just having a team, a production team to do these live streams is so important because you now are not just, it's not just you. And I actually saw um, uh, Marisha just posted on Instagram a picture of the crew, right? So Critical Role is, you know, it, yeah, sure. It's Matt and Marisha and, and, the, and their players, but it's also the crew that runs everything behind the scenes, the day to day, and they value them. And you can tell because they are this beautiful machine that functions. They all value each other so much. Yeah. And it's yes, the players and the game master get all the all the fanfare, but really, it's the whole, like the adventure group is is all of Critical Role. It's the entire company. Yeah. And that's really important. Yeah. I don't think people talk about that enough. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think you're right. I think that um, they in particular do a, a pretty good job of, of bringing those people forward and making sure that you know that Max is back there producing and Steve is yeah. you know, putting all these shots together and you know, Chris is capturing all this. Like, like everyone is doing um, a critical part. And without one piece of that, you know, things start to fall apart or there's more pressure on Matt at the table to do what you're talking about. Like watch, okay, well, where are the lights and where's this stuff at? And so when you have a great team around you, um, it can remove some of those pressures and everyone's sharing the load and you make a beautiful product as a result. Absolutely. I remember, so I started gilding light last February and we were doing our first shows and it felt so good. I had a new team, but some of the team were some of the people from other projects I've worked on. 
And we all got there and we're like, we have a fresh start. This is beautiful. And we all trust each other. Let's go. And then over a couple different episodes of one of the things that we did, I remember when the little weights, the production weights just started falling off. And I was like, I trust you guys. I trust you guys. (laughs) And it felt so, it, it felt so good. And it felt like being in theater again. Yeah. You know, where, um, it's, it's just fun. It's just fun. I, I could talk about live streaming a lot, like all night. <laughs> well, let, let's talk a little bit then about, about Gilding Light, like uh, fairly new. Um, what has it been like in this first kind of, I guess it's, has it been about a, about a year? Yeah, it's been a year. Yeah. So, so what all, what all do you guys do? What has this first year kind of been like? So the first year is about kind of figuring out what we're capable of. You know, experimenting with different styles, different formats. And Gilding Light itself is a collaborative studio. It's a collaborative art studio. And I was like, okay, I put it out into the universe, collaborative art studio. I could not believe the response. People were like, I would like to participate. And I was like, oh my God. Oh my gosh. Oh man, there's a, I don't have enough time and there's not enough money in the world. And oh my gosh. So now I'm, I've been, I, I put it on hold for a little bit while I recuperate my brain and figure out how I exist separate from Gilding Light and how sure. I can um, have different shows and different kinds of shows on it. And what does that mean? You know, I don't want it to just be uh, live streams. I want it to be art that's based around fantasy because I really want to show storytelling is more. Um, so yeah. Uh, we have a couple shows lined up. I'm taking it slow. My previous projects were all super, super punk rock. Like, we have two weeks to put this together. Let's right. Do yeah. it. Now it's like, okay, well, make, let me find a right studio for this. Let me make sure we have the right cast. Let's wait until we have the money. <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> because, a novel boy, idea. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. I put a lot of money into previous projects that I'll never see again, which is fine. It's all experience. But um, I'm trying to do it right. And sure. that also means, you know, I'm not going to be, I can't work on Twitch's requirements for partnership where right. they're like, yeah. we need you to shoot three days a week, six hours a day. And it's like, that's cool. Are you paying me? No. Right. I'm going to go and make my living being a coach and, you know, a storyteller. And also I'm going to fit this in so it works for everybody. Because everybody, you know, I'm not paying people a full-time you know a a payroll yeah yeah. (laughs) it's like hey there's a project are you available are you available are you available i have to work with you i trust you oh you're not available till march i guess our show doesn't happen till march yeah because i want to work with people who i trust from here on out you know yeah and that's and that's infinitely more important than you know hitting like like you said the twitch requirements right like doing it in a safe and genuine way. Yeah. And it's like, ex- <laughs> yeah, I, I really want people to see that there's, um, we're doing live streams. Um, I want to, I am changing things a little bit. One of my favorite things to do is, one of my favorite things to do is to have like, to see what everyone's doing. And then like, oh, okay, cool. I like how you did that. I like how you did that. I like how you did that. And then uh, evolve everything. So now I'm cutting things even shorter. The last 
four or five months, I've been designing ways like session zeros, um, different ways to communicate with players so that they trust me more and different ways to kind of lead them and push and pull them so that I can get my shows under an hour. Mm, yeah. 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 So because, you know, what are we doing? We're making we're making entertainment. We're making right. a game. I want it to feel true, but also I really want to keep it tighter. Consumable I, for, for people for sure. Exactly. We have more people playing or wanting to play D D, but those people want to watch, but they can't commit to two or three hours. Yeah. You yeah. know, but they can commit to a 45 minute Netflix or Amazon sure. show. You know, so that's what I'm kind of it's hard. <laughs> yeah. It's very hard because one of the things I don't want to do is keep it. Uh, I don't want to edit it down. Yeah. Yeah. I want to keep that live, that improv. I want to show choices and consequence. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's what I'm doing now with building light is kind of taking things and turning it on its head a little bit showing people there are even more ways than you thought to do all the things that you love to do for sure yeah that's awesome well I'm, I'm excited to kind of see what you guys have you know kind of coming in 2020 and and it's it's cool to know and, and i think even now and i could be totally wrong i might only see the nice parts of the internet but i feel like even now people are more understanding of creators taking time to produce something of quality and they're like, oh, you, you need you need an extra month. Like, uh, you know, Last of Us Two is an extreme example if you're into gaming. But they're like, oh, you're delaying the game. That's fine. We trust you that when you are going to give it to us, that it's going to be awesome. And so, if you take your time doing it, if if you need what, it, like, that's fine. We're here whenever you're done. Um, and yeah. and I think that's that's a cool when you have a community that supports how you want to produce that content. That's that's a really cool interaction or, or, or relationship there. I hope that's the case. Uh, I I want to say the answer is yes, but also no. Uh, there is a lot of pressure. Sure, what people sure. don't see are all of the hate mail that people get mm. and all of the pressure that's put on. Um, everything takes time out of a day to do a thing, right? Yeah. So that means if I want to go grocery shopping, that takes time out of me going to make a thing. Yeah. Right? And you live in LA, so it takes like six hours out of your day just to go to the grocery <laughs> store. <laughs> yeah, luckily I walked to the gym, so I've got oh, there. That there you there. go. But but yeah, but, no, um, it's true. Yeah, so it's if you think about what people are doing, uh, don't even think about what I'm doing because I am just all over the place and I don't sleep a lot and I do work a lot. But everything takes time out of doing other things. So if somebody says, "Oh yeah, I can paint this picture in a week," imagine that's all they're doing. Right. Yeah. Right. If you think about commissions and people get really upset and not only that, but it's like we all have lives and we all have emotions. I have PTSD. I have a traumatic brain injury. And yeah. some some weeks like this week is a hard week. I wake up and I can't move. There is I have this one reoccurring thing that happens. I don't talk about it a lot where my face freezes up. Yeah. I can't talk. I can't move. It's moving down my shoulders and I freeze and I shake and I cry. I don't. Nobody knows about that. Nobody yeah. knows that it takes a day out of my life. Yeah. Which means I don't answer all these emails. Or if something triggers me because of whatever I've gone through, that's a two hours out of my day. That's four hours out of my day. Does that mean I have to cancel 
uh, one of my Patreon games. And if that's so, that means I have to move it to another another day, which means that whole day is now moved and taken. Right, yeah. And so it's and so I did I just finished the Destination Fantastic um art that I promised from Kickstarter from what July. Mm-hmm. I, I went through a stint where, where I artist. I couldn't draw. It was so traumatic. I would sit down with this art and it was like halfway finished and I would, I would try. And I had all these commissions from like June, July, August. They were just sitting there and I'm like, I can't, I'm sorry. And they're like, well, we trust you and you, when you, you know, we trust that you will finish it eventually. And thank goodness. Cause now I'm all in love and now I've got all this like artistic energy back and it's great. And I'm pumping art out again, but that's talking months. Yeah. Months of not being able to fulfill a promise. And it, as for someone like me who's an overachiever, it's like if I can't fulfill something, I am now less of a person, mm. you know, yeah. like, oh no. So, and then of course that sends you in a depressive state. And that's just what being an artist is a creative person. Sure. That's also just being a person. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so all of, think about all the creative people in the world. Think of all the successful creative people in the world. Think about anyone who has ever finished one creative thing. Yeah. You know, the numbers get smaller and smaller. Yeah. So um, the fact that a person has made a book or a painting is phenomenal. Yeah. The fact that any one person can do multiple books is outstanding. The fact that one person can do that as a career and just keep doing that over and over is that's why there are known names in fields. Right. Yeah. Right. So it, I do preach compassion um, because nobody's perfect. And when people think that somebody's perfect, it, you look behind the curtain and suddenly you're like, oh, they have to go through a whole lot of stuff just to wake up in the morning. Right. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah, be human. Everyone's human. Yeah, everybody love everybody. <laughs> but seriously, well, yeah. It's really more just accept it. Like people need to accept that I am not like you and you're not like me and everyone at the table we are all different. Right. But we are all stronger because we are different. Like I love the idea that yeah, sure. The Sirens are an all bard band, but they're all multi-class. You have yeah. a ranger, you've got a druid, you have all, you know, we're all diverse. If they were all actually, in fact, all only bards, that might be boring. Yeah. No, we need our tank. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The the differences make make us stronger. And and like accepting, like you said, being aware of and accepting um, each other's differences and having like grace and compassion for somebody else's experience, even if you don't fully get it, I, that, that makes such a big difference in how we interact with each other and how we um, really just how we make space for each other. Right when we when everyone yeah. has enough space to be themselves and feel safe in in that space that we're giving each other, it makes a huge difference in the community that you're building uh, for sure. Every single person I talk to online, where I you know, I'm Satine. Here are some things for the internet, and somebody's like, "That's BS," and you're stupid, and all this stuff. Every single time I've actually had a conversation with that person who said that negative thing, I've talked with them Mm -hmm. from a non-defensive point of view it's always 
ended up in a beautiful conversation where we either realize that we just have very strong opinions that are conflicting. And that doesn't mean that that person's is less valid. It's just that I don't, I'm not going to get to where they are. And we just had a really nice time together and this person or an interesting time together. And I have to think this person could be talking to anybody else. They chose to have this interaction with me and I have to value it. And mm. a lot of times people are angry and they're projecting and, and you know, you see this at game stores or conventions where someone just had a really bad day, yeah. you know, or somebody's like picking on someone else. And as a game master, it's just, this is me. This is how I function. Yeah. I'm like, oh, you made your way out of your house. You wanted to have a good time. That's why you left your house. But you're here and you're upset because of something. Well, let's kind of dive in and dig in and talk yeah. about that. Yeah. And usually it is either a projection or it's an accident or it's pressure or stress or it's trigger and they don't know how to stop. And they just need somebody to be there to be like, okay, let's talk about it. Yeah. And I'm not saying that everyone should be everyone's therapist, but I am saying that there is, everyone has a background. Everyone comes from somewhere. Either they're there because that is their one day to have escape something and they have to GTFO out of that other situation. And all those situations will leak into all of our interactions. We can make the very, um, that very purposeful choice to not be defensive when somebody's aggressive towards us. Um, I think it'll help a lot. I mean, we are all nerds, right? Like yeah. we're all nerds. Yeah. And a lot of us nerds who are not sports nerds, um, we don't like confrontation T to a fault almost, to yeah. a, a detrimental fault where it's, it could harm us that we don't want confrontation where we will end up uh cancel culturing somebody yeah to the point where they don't even know why they've been ignored i've watched this happen something really bad happened last year and i'm not going to say names or when or whatever something bad happened and a group of people banished somebody out of a group and that person had no idea what happened mm. and I was like, okay, so what happened? They're like, we don't want to talk about it because it's going to bring it back up. Like, well, I understand that. But now there is somebody out there who doesn't know why they were banished, can't understand, don't have the same, like, they just don't know. And here they were in a community that they were welcomed and suddenly they're not. So can we actually have a conversation? And it was no. We cannot have this conversation mm. and how dare you bring this up because now you're triggering me. I'm like, whoa, you know, sometimes yeah. it, like, I understand if you need some time um, and maybe it's just because I've had so much therapy <laughs> right. that yeah. I understand that sometimes you, it is important to face these, these um, moments. And even if you're like, okay, I will, I'm only going to talk about this for 20 minutes. And then I never want to talk about it ever again. Like even that is important, but um, it just breaks my heart. Yeah. To see people um, so afraid of confrontation and conflict that they um, push aside that someone else exists 
you know, like, yeah. I don't know. We, we, everyone has a reason for all the things that they do. Sure. And I am not here to say that one way was right or one way was wrong. I'm just saying that my, my view of it was somebody is now alone. And they, and they and don't know is, why. And they don't know why. And that is so much more harmful for the community. Yeah. Because once it happens with one person, it happened with another. And I'm not saying that everyone is supposed to play in every game with everybody. And we sure. don't all have to get along. But we, I don't believe in banishment. Yeah. And it takes nine times out of ten, um, which is a, a tried and true statistic that I've definitely backed up with research. But nine times out of ten, it takes more emotional energy over the long run to not talk about something, to ignore something, to ignore feelings or emotions or experience than it does to address something when it happens or, or at the front and then have it resolved, whatever way it might resolve. You, the other way is just like constantly like kind of having that, that nervous guard up against it um, versus just like, like you said, communicating and, yeah. and having that discomfort and leaning into that a bit and, and letting that take you to a better place or at the very least like a place of resolution. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's about compassion, right? Com 100%. What is compassion? People say the word and I honestly believe they don't know what it means. Being giving somebody who has harmed somebody else compassion. And I'm not saying forgive. I am saying, um, allowing them to see that like to, uh, to genuinely understand what they've done so they know not to do it again. I feel like that is a very important part of compassion. Yeah. And, could, and, I, and, and even for yourself, like speaking your truth, whether it is received or not, there is, you know, from a purely selfish standpoint, if you will, there is value and, and um, validity. And at least saying to that person, this is my experience. This is how I felt. This is how XYZ impacted me. You can take it or leave it. I know that yeah. we are different and you have different experiences, but at least I've said it. And then you can, yeah. you can move to the next place regardless of what that person does. I've had to do it with family. We've all had to do it with, with people before, I'm sure. But at least you can say, I did my part and now yeah. you can set that down and keep going with your life. Exactly. So this is... Uh, I. This I've has been, been the Satine and Andrew lately. Therapy Hour. Thank you so much for I coming. Know. Right? Well, that's the thing is we all have to be more sensitive to one another because we are in a field that is all about vulnerability. Yeah. And we have to be very aware of the effect we have on people. Like we at the game table are opening up our hearts and our brains. And one of the things I'm studying is shame and shame avoidance mm. because of how one you say you can say one thing and it, you can mean the you can mean well and it could really tear apart another person at your table and there's all over the world there it's like you know so there's a whole group that's you know we are we respect people's boundaries and then there's a whole other group that's like we it, like it shouldn't matter it's just a game and so hopefully in the next couple of years, it'll be more straightforward of, you know, everyone has boundaries and we all need to be respectful of each yeah. other's boundaries and not uh, be so blasé about uh, the effect that we have on people. Right. A great book. I'm 
decent chance you've probably read it, but I recommend it to anyone. Um, or I really recommend anything Brene Brown has written. But oh, yeah. uh, I thought it was just me, um, but it isn't. is is a fantastic book that is all about shame, and even even as uh, and it's it's mostly I think targeted towards uh, not necessarily a male experience because we're a whole different thing. But even just reading that for me personally helped me understand and address so many things that I experienced but didn't have words to put to and that then I could see other people experiencing and that I can yeah. now have compassion for because I had words and I had language and I had explanations for things that no one had ever told me before. Um, yeah. So if you don't do anything from this podcast, go read that book because it is, uh, it's really good. That nonviolent communication, those are the two that I just really think they're so valuable to listen, to learn how to listen because that as a game yeah. master, not even just as a game master, it's important as a player. Mm. Yes, you are the lead character in the group. Everyone at the table is the lead character. Right, yeah. Guess what? That means that you have to listen to one another. I'm very specific for my session zeros. I spend a lot of time on my session zero questions. And most of it is about uh, making sure that they are looking at each other and they're listening to one another and they're actually reacting to one another. I kind of teach my players to stop looking at their character sheets and start listening and reacting to the environment. So instead of saying, I would like to roll, uh, you know, persuasion. Hey, <laughs> hey. show plug. Uh, <laughs> I say, okay, well, tell me what you, oh, man. Okay, I say, tell me what you want to do. And they tell me like, okay, well, roll insight. Mm. I'm like, wait, what? I'm like, yeah, roll insight. Because it's so much more interesting for them to make a decision. And maybe that's more improv, whatever. But it's interesting for them to make a decision and then have to look at the skill that that feeds. You know? And if yeah. you want to play your character's skills up, then start playing your character. Right. Because that's how... And everything you know, else will flow out of that, yeah. 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 I mean, you've got... If you have a high uh, intelligence and like play it you are really good at sleight of hand well then make the choices that will make the dungeon master tell you to roll that <laughs> right yeah 100 <laughs> percent um jumping jumping back just a little kind of you know in into the emotional muck that we've been walking in which has been awesome um you you wrote or i guess did an interview kind of uh last last year i guess maybe like it was october or something i think yeah with uh health.com where you talked a lot about um like your past and the things that you've experienced and and the choices that you make really to like reclaim your own power and and have that own authority over your life and and for me it was it was a really inspirational thing to read um especially someone uh you know in my life I've come from a family with a lot of abuse and a lot of um some similar stuff to what what you talked about and and that whole journey that you discussed of uh and I, I recommend anyone just go google it I'll, I'll put the link in the show notes um, it's a great, it's a great article, but you, you talked about kind of your journey of reaching this point of where you, um, now take ownership over your response to the things that you've experienced and how you're going to use your energy going forward versus maybe how you have in the past. And, and I know we might be short on time, but, uh, you know, just kind of what has that experience been like, um, for you as you've kind of come through your journey, through your life to where you are now? I'm writing a book about it. Hey. <laughs> so basically the book is about how Dungeons and Dragons has helped me 
through childhood trauma and in recovering from PTSD and then facilitating a place for other people to go on that, their journey. Uh, It has, uh, for people who don't know, I went through some very, from nine years of being molested as a child. Mm. And uh, it's, a normal person should not be able to wrap their head around that. Right. Yeah. It's funny because we all talk about when we make a new character, we talk about the backgrounds, right? Yeah. And it's so interesting because I have this history in my brain of what, how horrible a background could be or how, yeah. you know, if I look back and I look at all the ways that I was supported in my childhood, that I now can pull from that too. All the, the wonderful people in my life who were there for me when my family wasn't. Sure. So, um, it's really interesting looking back at that article and then look while I'm writing that. Whew, it's a doozy of a book. Yeah. Um, I'm writing it as a workbook and a, an autobiography. It's more like this is my experience. This is how I overcame these things. And then let's talk about how you can do that. Um, I, I don't think these things are going to go away. Yeah. I think for all the good and the heralds of compassion out there, I think that there are an equal amount of just monsters and that some mm. people are wired really good and some people are wired really bad. So what I'm hoping is that this book will give people the skills that if they're reading it while it's happening, uh, understanding that there are ways to get the confidence to decide to leave because sometimes you can't leave in a bad situation. Yeah. I was in, and as an adult, I was in a, uh, I've recovered from narcissistic uh, emotional abuse mm. and it was yeah. really hard. I was in it for a very long time yeah. and it was a year before I was able to leave. Yeah. And this is like a whole separate trauma from right, what I went right. through as a kid, you know? And it's like, okay, you're reading this, you're going through it, you can get out of it. So hopefully it'll give people those skills. And then it takes, you know, eight to 10 years to process it and stop getting out of the cycle so that you stop hurting other people because you're, I mean, it's just what happens. You start lashing out and yeah. And then, you know, recovering from that and then dealing with your PTSD. Yeah. It's very intense. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. My solution was I grew up and I married a mental health therapist. I was like, well, this is how I'm I'm just going to, you know, get this. uh, I'm going to get this on uh, on call 24 seven. But you're right. I mean, it's it's an ongoing. And as you uncover layers or as you shovel some of that shit away, you, you discover more that you didn't know was there. And and it's a process, but it's a process worth going through. Yeah. Right. And and it's oh, absolutely. Of, yeah, yeah. And it's and you an look back eventually thing. and go, how did I, you know, look, you look at the pile of shit you shoveled and you're like, how did I <laughs> live for so long with that on top of me? Um, but it's absolutely worth doing the work, right? To go through that. Yeah. Well, for what I didn't realize, and this is the most important thing, I didn't realize. So I was eight when it happened, and I was eight when I started playing Dungeons and Dragons. I was making a character when I was a kid who would defeat the monsters. Mm, yeah. And so I didn't get it then. I was just doing the thing that was the escapist thing. I would right. hide in my room. I would draw. I would write stories. I would um, play. I would go to the you know library and read fantasy books. And it was all escapism. 
but I would identify with these powerful women who uh, overcame these obstacles. And yeah, over time, I leveled up. You know, I started pushing my own boundaries. I experimented. Obviously, what I went through was a sexual uh, abuse. Mm -hmm. And I was able to experiment in the game of being sexy and how to like, what, what is this supposed to be? And how am I supposed to act in this situation? And um, yeah. And then I started like, oh, maybe I, I can up my intelligence by reading more. Yeah. I can, you know, and um, gain wisdom, gain strength. And I was like, oh, I can be this character. And so the character that's in Idol Champions I created when I was 12 Wow. is now a wizard bard but before she was a mage thief <laughs> big shit many editions ago yeah. <laughs> um and that's okay i think it's really important to like if you are in it be very present mm, yeah which is hard to do because you want to escape right? right right um so it's it's a bit of be there and also get out <laughs> yeah but um build the confidence and i did it through playing games yeah so that's awesome do you have a do you have a projected timeline you know no pressure uh do you have a projected <laughs> like timeline for when you're hoping to to have the book out or is it just kind of a as it goes project i'm hoping that i finished the items for my agent uh in the next couple months yeah, yeah. i'm yeah. actually interviewing a lot of different psychologists and therapists oh, who yeah. are who focus on um, either therapy, like gaming therapy or PTSD. Yeah. And I'm kind of weaving them in and out of this too. Like GM tips. Yeah. Uh, my voice is one of many. Yeah. Yeah. We had, right? I had and, a Megan Connell. I don't know if you've, if you've met Megan. I, yeah. She was yeah, on one of my episodes a couple months ago. She's on one of the GM tips episodes. <laughs> uh, well, well, there you go. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, it's super cool seeing the, the potential to use um use the game like in a therapeutic way whether mm -hmm. you know intentionally like like megan does or unintentionally maybe like you were doing as a kid um the idea that creativity and storytelling can have healing potential uh it's really cool it's a really cool thing yeah i was hoping to have this out a lot sooner uh but in order that health magazine article took a month out of my life mm. And that I didn't write it. I just did the interview. Yeah. But then there was all the aftermath. There was the right before the day before, two days before, we had to re-edit it because they they wrote it in a way that was um it wasn't what I intended. <laughs> and so we had to edit it and edit it, and that brought up more and more. And I've dealt with my childhood very well. Um, but it, when it comes up, it hurts and it's hard. So writing this is one of the most difficult things ever because I'm now learning more about PTSD than I ever expected to. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to get it wrong, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I sure. want to make sure as a game master, you only have a very short amount of time to say what you need. And this book is that for me as well. I have to be very, very specific on what I put out into the world and very specific on what I'm sharing and what I do want people to realize, and maybe that's like the point of this talk that you and I are having, is that there is a darkness in all of us and there is 
pain in all of us and it doesn't go away. It doesn't go away. I will never be able to let go of that pain, but I'm also one of the happiest people you'll ever meet. (laughs) We're talking a lot about a lot of dark stuff and I feel like maybe I'm naysayed a little bit um, uh, today, but I'm also the happiest person, you know? So it's like, you can have all of the emotions. You can live, you just, you learn how to live with it and you learn how to, um, it gets better. You learn how to categorize things in your, in your brain so they don't interfere with your life. And then when they do interfere with your life, because sometimes they will and things leak, you can identify them and then apologize. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And if you start projecting, it's better for you to realize you're projecting than somebody else to realize you're projecting. <laughs> right. You know? Right. But if they do, listen. Yeah. And don't yeah. be defensive. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I, I think there's the internet shows a lot of, we're happy and look at how successful we are. And that's why I extra talk about ageism. I talk about what it's like being a woman who used to be a model and is not anymore. And, um, being a minority and how that is and all the good parts and all the dark parts and some months i am just rocking and rolling and this last week i'm like hey guys this is like day 30 and i feel like i'm gonna die it's this is really hard yeah (laughs) but tomorrow will be better yeah um yeah well that's awesome thank you thank you so much uh not just for coming on but for like being willing to to you know talk about all this stuff and kind of get into it and get dirty I, i appreciate it I know I'm a little deep, so uh. that's that is uh, you know that's what I'm here for, and and I'm glad. So um, I think I think it was great. Um, where can I'm, I'm sure most people know where to find you, but uh, if for some reason they don't, where can they check you out? Where they can where can they follow uh, Gilding Light? How can they kind of keep up with all the different things you have going on? Cool. I'm I am Satine Phoenix. S A T I N E P H O E N I X at Satine Phoenix on all of the things. You can find my books on um, burningquill.com. So one of the other books, I know I talked about my comic, but this one is called The Action Heroine's Journey. So if you want to know about uh, the hero's journey from the female's perspective based on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, The Action Heroine's Journey, you can get it there. Otherwise, Amazon has it for somebody else is selling it for $150. Oh, geez. So you need to raise your prices. Or, or just go to my site <laughs> or just go to your um, site. yeah uh, we have a discord and that's my safe space this is full of people who are into the fit phoenix which is a workout group it's a bunch of people who are just compassionate and care about each other and you can find that on the at gilding light twitter but um the i think in the profile the link to the discord is there and it is so beautiful you want a safe space come and visit us um, I also, I'm a professional dungeon master. You can play my games on my Patreon, patreon.com slash Satine Phoenix. I do GM tips. I do one-on-one coaching. I do one-on-one coaching for dungeon masters and players. So uh, if you're a little nervous about your character, I will run you through an hour or two and get you used to it. That's what I do. Yeah, that's your life. That's your job. How cool is that, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, along with everything else that you do. Uh, well, that, That's awesome. Um, and guys, as I said before, uh, stick around if you are a Patreon backer after the exit music, cause we're going to come up with something random to talk about for a little bit. And that zone of truth segment is brought to you by my very good friends at smugglers coffee. Satine, are you, a, are you a coffee drinker? 
<laughs> yeah. Silly question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, are, are you familiar with the smuggler's coffee? I have so much smuggler's coffee in mm. my cabinet. Mm. We are very good friends. That, that and they is, are delicious. It, it is true. <laughs> they uh they barrel age a lot of their coffee beans and bourbon barrels and and uh brandy barrels and just make this delicious crazy coffee. All the artwork on the packages from cool people in the community, very nerd adjacent themed. Uh, I think they just got their plus one to charisma blend back mm. in stock, which I have a bag of that coming, so I'm very pumped. But they support the show, and I am very appreciative of them, and they bring you that special Patreon-exclusive session. So make sure that if you are a backer, you hang out so you can hear uh, Satine and I will keep talking for a little bit more. Um, until then, guys, thank you again for listening. Thank you for taking the time to uh, you know, spend some time with me and with my guests to hear what they have to say and the stuff they have going on. As I said at the beginning, you can always follow the show at Roll Persuasion on the different social medias. You can also leave reviews for the show. Uh, I appreciate it. They help a big, big bunch um, getting the show in front of more eyes. If you are on Apple uh, Podcasts or iTunes, you can go on there, leave us a five-star review. Very much appreciate that. Podchaser.com. We also get great reviews on there. Uh, Your support, financial or otherwise, is super appreciated because it is awesome people like you that let me make the show every week. So thank you so much. And make sure you are tuning in next week as we continue this theme of awesome women in the world of gaming. We're going to be talking with Shannon Robichaud of Paradise RPG. Shannon is super cool. Uh, There's a good chance if you are on the D&D Twitterverse that you have seen the awesome support and just love that she puts out in the community. Uh, She also plays a super cool character on her own streaming game. So I'm very excited to talk with her. So make sure that you are subscribed to the show so you don't miss that episode. And until next time, guys, make sure that you enjoy your games.